Hey, welcome back, grappling fans, to another episode of Who's Number One, the podcast. As you may have noticed, we are on a slightly different channel. We're on the Grappling 24-7 channel. I'm very excited to have launched that 24 hours a day. We have all the live grappling content you want to see. We have matches, interviews, archives, etc. Uh, so be sure to be on that all day long. Anyways, we have a very special guest today joining us again. Uh, none other than Kayo Terra calling in from California. Kayo, thank you, sir, for, for the time. How you doing out there? Hey, guys. Uh, pleasure to be here. I should be around you guys and talk some jiu-jitsu today. Let's do it. Also joining us on the call is Ricardo Amendolia. It's been a couple shows without you. I'm glad you're back, still still alive up there in Canada. And, of course, my regular co-host, Michael Sears, is joining me on the call. Gentlemen, what's on the docket today? What are we going to chat about? Uh, I had a uh, had a few clips to watch with them. Did anybody have any questions for Kyle before we jump into it? Yeah, Kyle, what's going on in the coronavirus where you're, where you're from right now? Like, is it really bad or... Is, is is what's what's happening? Um, I guess that uh, whole United States is not. <laughs> um, unfortunately, you know, with with all this going on, uh, the schools are closed uh, here in California. Yesterday, the governor apparently said that he doesn't see, you know, us opening. Uh, for quite some time still, you know, it's sad news. So, um, I really don't know All what right. else to say. All right, let's uh, move on from uh, the uh, Corona talk. I think uh, we've had enough about that this week. Uh, Kyle, yeah. you want you want to watch some of your matches and uh, and and talk about some of this technique and some of the stuff I, I found? Yeah, sure, of course. All if right. I can actually. Yeah, we'll go. No. Yeah, we'll go full screen when, when we show it. So uh, when we go, when when we watch it, can we go uh, full screen with Kyle in the corner, maybe? And then, uh, all right, this first one here is from. Can you see it, Kyle? Mm, hold on. This screen, there is a like. No, I can't because there's a like a white screen on on it for some reason. He's Do you know how now? to remove like the common part out of my? Remove the comment part. You don't see it. You don't see the match going right now. No, I, I see half of it, but there's like a. No, there's no, there's no. Because half, half is me. And half is like a box. I cannot, I cannot see it all. Now, it's, now it's all me. All right, guys. Well, sit tight while we figure out a little bit of a technical difficulty here. Um, maybe we can get that ad- adjusted shortly, but we do have some fun matches lined up. Michael, what do we uh we have selected today that we're going to be reviewing? Uh, all right, let's figure this out. First. Okay, there we go. Wait, let me see if it. Yes, there we go. Perfect. We good? Yep. All right, play that. Kyle. <laughs> Wait one sec. What's that, Kyle? What what belt are you in jujitsu? A black belt with how many how many degrees? No, no. There's nothing. There, uh, third degree. Okay, but technology. You and I are like still purple and brown belts. No, no. Guys there was no belts. button to check out. There was no button <laughs> oh, to check okay. out. You guys did something and took it out. You, are you, uh, you're, you're good now. You can see everything now. Perfect. I can see myself. I can see myself now. The screen's right, cool. only myself. 
All right, let's 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 run that match. This match from Euros. No, no, I can only see myself. I can only see myself. The whole screen is myself. All right, all right. We're just gonna have to skip uh, matches, I guess, and, and move. There on. we go. Okay, okay. I got all right, it. we got we got Where's it. All right, start start the match over. And then we, all right, let's go from there. Sorry for the technical difficulties. The white belt. What's going on here? The all white right, so belt. You, you, you got the collar grip. You got the. You go for an overhook here. Kyle, can you can you talk us through what's happening in the match? Yeah. So uh, this is a move that I really like to do. It's an overhook from the double under position. And then I reach the far collar. It's one of the most powerful chokes, you know. Usually when I lock it, it's already tight. But when I escape the hips, this time um, his right hand stayed in the side of my hips, which usually comes off. So he was able to resist a little longer than, than usual. So you have an overhook there. Are you... You're grab, reaching with the overhook through and grabbing the collar. Is that what you're doing? Yeah. Let's say it, from the double under position. Can we go back and watch that again, real quick? So he's double under. You overhook with that, and you're reaching through and grabbing a collar grip. Is that what you're doing? Yep. The uh, the far lapel. That's how he gets choked. And then I lock a triangle. You see. Mm-hmm. And the moment that you lock the triangle, it's super tight. But he he backed out to get out of the overhook and that's why his hand stayed in that side like his right hand stayed on my my hip usually goes it comes off and goes to the to the left hip i mean what, to his left side to, to my right hip what do you call this thing you got a name for it actually this is not my creation you know this is not my creation this is um there is a guy zaki paiva yeah yeah zaki paiva very good yeah so uh um, I saw him uh, submitting Frazato with this technique. And, uh, you know, Frazato at the time was definitely one of the best. And I was, like, impressed that he was able to choke someone uh, at that level because, you know, um, there's no such a thing as luck in jiu-jitsu, you know? So I was like, wow, that's really good, you know? And I couldn't figure it out how because... There was no so the next time they fought, you know, he went for it again and he actually got the submission again, if I'm not mistaken, with the same technique. But when he went over the technique again, then I was able to watch it better. Have you, you heard know, any so have you heard anybody have a name for this technique? Is there something that they call it? I don't know. You have to 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 ask Isaac Paiva ask and Isaac ask Paiva? what's the name. Why don't, you, we, why don't we call it the Paiva Plata? Kyle, was this at uh, <laughs> was this at one of the World Pro Trials back in the day? This is this were not no no no. I don't remember. It was okay. a small tournament, you know. It was a small tournament in the south, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. I remember that they fought in uh, I want to say like Gramado or something, one of the World Pro Trials, and I know Isaac won, and it was like a big that, upset. Okay, so yeah, so that was one of them. Yes, I think that was the gotcha. second the second match. Okay. The World cool. Pro, I think, was the second match where he was, you know, we're going to check if it was really luck, and he actually did the move again, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to look That's this so up. That's so cool. 
while we go on to our next one. All right. Yes. All right. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> how how, uh, how high up are you grabbing the collar on that thing when you reach with that overhook, Kyle? I try to grab as high as possible, but um, it's not always that um, that I'm able to, but I, that, that's what I try to. Very nice. Michael, what, what is the next clip we have queued up here? It's uh, back in the early days of flow grappling. Burr cut, an old school burr cut match. This is another cool choke that Kyle gets. Pretty cool. event here. Kyle, can you give us uh, some background on what's happening in front of us now? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been, it's been a minute since 2015. Okay, yeah, so he had the, um, the single leg. It's like he has a lapel, yeah. Right. And then I changed the sides. Wow, I mean, I, I have to watch that definitely at least three more times to see exactly what happened there. A lot of quick details. I wish the camera was a little tighter. Come on, Flo, get, with the, get the program. <laughs> Milton is good uh, attacking single legs and and double legs because his his background is is wrestling, you know. So when he got the lapel there for the single leg, my my first goal was to remove my leg out of the out of the out of the lapel. So um, I went to the opposite side. Then the lapel had no purpose on the other side, and I was able to get a color grip. That same color grip that I have right now, you see, but in the other side. I control his hips tight, and then I was able to pass the leg over and get the, the choke since he was in his side. Because the single leg only works if he's sideways, you know. If he, if he had this back on the mat, the single leg wouldn't work. So he had to stay on his side to feed the lapel back again. That gave me time to pass the leg, you know, pass the leg tight and, and get the choke because um, the back of my thigh was able to connect on the side of his neck. So you're saying... That was, uh, um, go ahead, go ahead, Ricardo. I was going to say that was probably the, one of the fastest submissions of that event, probably of the whole year. Um, was that something that was kind of instinctive or I know you guys kind of trained together. Was it something that you knew based off of his style and his attacks or was it just something like an opportunity that presented itself in the moment? It's a technique that I, that I, that I often do, but it's, uh, it's not, uh, something that I, you know, I didn't come to the match thinking, Oh, today I'm going to, you know, to do this or that to Milton, you know, mm. Because if I if I actually thought about it, I would probably pull guard most likely, you know. What gotcha. could he have, what, what could he have done to defend? You said that that worked because he was on his side. So if he would have flattened out, would it have uh, helped him defend? If it? he before he passed the leg, yes. After he passed the leg, I want him to be flat, so it wouldn't make any difference, you know. So he has to be so he has to be on his back. That forces the person to be on the back, so that forces you know that forces uh, him to give me the pass. Very so nice. ideally, what he wanted to do is to control my sleeve and not let me get deep on his collar. That's what he wanted to do. He shouldn't let me get the collar, the collar grip so deep. What if he would have tried to come up there at all? Would that have been an option? Like, would would, would you have just if finished he, it from the bottom? If he went on, if he went on his elbow, I wouldn't have tried that technique. I would most likely grab his his wrist. You know. Oh, okay. Okay. But um. 
But since he didn't come, because it's hard for him to come up on his elbow right away. You know, he has to first feed the grip and then, you know, he bumped me up, you know, then come up. But, you know, he, he had lost the grip because I switched sides. So he had to feed the lapel again. And that gave me time to adjust the choke before him coming up. All right. Now we're going to go to a little nogi action. You're somebody who's won uh, a whole bunch of nogi. How many times are you like a 10-time nogi world champ? Yeah, 10 times. So this one, I think, I can't remember what year this was. This was... Uh, it was like 17? Yeah, this was in the Pyramid. So it was before they went to Anaheim. It wasn't in San Jose. Oh, is it 16? I think it was 16. This might have been 2016. This is a really cool submission here, too. This is pretty, pretty tricky. No, this is 2015. Yeah, I think it's 2015. 2015. Yeah, okay. Too many times Yeah, I was just going to say 2015. <laughs> So right off the guard, Paul. Kyle, walk us through what you're what you're doing. Um, yeah, so I pulled guard, and I tried to close my guard, but he defended. So I placed my right knee on his shoulder, and I was able to get a really good position. But now I don't have it to see what happened after. When we rewind it, we'll, we'll, we'll see it better. What I tried to do, it was a triangle, and then he placed the hand inside, which is a very common thing to do. Yeah. So I went for the for the Baratu plot instead. He actually gave me a lot of trouble there because he, yeah. he kept on rolling, you know, and and I and I thought it was tied for, for a while already. I believe this was the world it, final, right? There you go, yeah, you I think the finals, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Can we rewind back to the beginning before uh, he hits the... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty quick. Right right off the guard pole, you throw up a triangle. So talk us through this as it happens. She reacted pretty quick here. Okay, so I shot his sprout, so I pulled... Then I tried to go to close guard. He blocked my knee, so I shot the triangle instead. He took his hand out, you see? So he's trying to take yeah. his, his hand out. So I passed the leg to the other side and made sure that with my hand, I kept his hand in the inside, like outside of my of my triangle, out, out of my legs. You see, this is the biggest, this is the biggest thing that people have to realize between training and uh, competition, you know? Uh, when you're training, usually the person, you know, the person shouldn't want to get hurt, you know? So usually, you know, they tap right away. They feel some pressure and they tap right away. But what happened is, you know, he felt the submission from the beginning, but he kept on... Uh, you know, he, he didn't tap right away because he, you know, that's competition. Yeah, absolutely. So it, 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 um, if this was training, I may have lost the submission. The, I think the only reason why I didn't lose is because I knew that I may not have that same opportunity again. So I followed followed through the whole time, you know. Kyle, I noticed you underhook his leg as well during that. You know, you seem to keep that underhook a lot. Can you can you tell us a little bit why? Is it trying to prevent him from because, getting because up I on need his to knee be in that or side. Posting? 
Okay. Because this is a shoulder lock, right? This is a shoulder lock. So uh, to attack the Barato Plata, I have to be in that side. You know, I have to gotcha. make sure that I'm in that side. If he had switched sides, you wouldn't hurt him as much. Especially him, who is not tapping. So you see how I'm changing the side, changing the side? But look, he's not yeah. letting me stay in that side. So then I underhook to make sure that I'm in that side. This is not something that I usually do, actually. Because like I said, the person usually taps earlier. They tap a lot earlier. But he is resisting so much and trying to figure out a way of you know, rolling or coming up to change the side back again. Do you use the Barato Plata a lot? If the person gives it to me, yeah. You know, it's not like I'm going to shoot the Barato Plata today because that, that's, you know, that might be impossible. Yeah. You know, there are very few ways of setting that up. You know, there, there are some ways, but there, you know, if you can set up an, a Barato Plata, you can definitely set up uh, an arm lock as well, you know? So you, you mentioned in there something about the differences uh, between uh, training and competing. That made me wonder. I want to talk to you about uh, sort of your philosophy for training a little bit because you, you run a school. You've produced some, you know, world champion athletes. Uh, what's the what's the training uh, format like at your academy, at the Kyoterra Academy? Well, that depends, too. You know, you have to keep the competitors and the, the training um, on the regular classes a lot different. How do you do for the so, competitors? For the competitors, the training always changes. You, you can't keep uh, uh, the, the same training, otherwise they get comfortable. You know, in the, in the tournament, that's the thing that they don't get, which is, you know, staying comfortable. So they have to train, you know, in my, in my opinion, they have to train like different styles of sets, um, the different styles of, of, of training, you know, more towards competition. You know, we don't just do, you know, the same amount of rounds every every time or the same amount of time every time. You know, every time is a different train. Um, and, uh, you know, depending on the focus, like if if uh, we're far ahead of uh, after Worlds, the trainings are a little bit more, it's not that it's ch more chill, but it's more like uh, towards learning, you know, like trying to improve. But when they're closer to competition, they're more towards like sharpening, sharpening what they are already good at, you know. Kyle, when when uh, Reed and I visited you on our, our road to Worlds trip just last year, ahead of ahead of the World Championships, uh, you placed a really heavy emphasis. It seemed like on positional sparring, on very yes, specific drills. Could you kind of share some of the stuff that you were working on with your students? Because, I mean, I, it's not just positional sparring, like, for technique. I mean, it was situational awareness and matches. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. can, you, can you maybe explain to the audience a little bit what, about what you're doing uh, at that time? Uh, again, this is, like, competition training. This is not, like, for a regular guy to be doing, you know, or someone that is going to fight at the Naga to, to be doing. You know, this is more like, you know, you want to be a IBJJF world champion, a Pan American uh, championing, you know, then you, then you can do some kind of training like that. But, you know, if you, if you just want to compete, you have fun, that's, you know, that's not something that, that you should, uh, be doing because that's the opposite of having fun. You know, that's why we don't do that all year round because people are just going to burn out, you know, no matter if they're competitors or not, they'll just want to quit, you know, and never come back again because it's, it's hard. It's hard training, you know, people, get out of it like completely 
dead, you know? So I believe what we did um, at the camp uh, when you came is uh, we, we all always usually do that, which is like specific rounds where <clears throat> we have uh, around the same area of, you know, of the area that they're going to compete. And then we're going to have a pair in the middle um, on a specific training. So one person is going to pick, you know, where the position should start. The other one will make the grips. And once the clock goes, they have um, some time to score, right? So um, let's say that it's two minutes, you know, the, the, the time varies, right? But let's say it's two minutes. I pick... Um, I pick the position. So let's say that I'm going to pick bottom. So I'm going to pick one leg X. I already have both of your pants on the one leg X, you know, and I'm going to try to sweep you. So you have to control my collars right away because you can't just let me push you down, you know, so you start with the collar grip, for example. And then once the clock starts, then my goal, you know, is to score a certain amount of points or advantage. And your goal is to prevent you to, for me to do that or score more points. So I have to score more points on you. And of course, whoever submits that, that's a win. You know, you don't have even to keep going because submission is a win. But, um, you know, the, the points also vary. Sometimes the guy starting is losing by one point. Sometimes the guy that, that, speaking, uh, that, that, that is speaking the position, he might be losing by two advantages or might be losing by one penalty, you know, or might be a draw, but there's only 30 seconds in the clock, you know. So, so it depends, you know, it depends a lot on, on how the training is. And you usually do for the same amount of time that you're competing. So if you're doing, if you're competing eight minutes, you know, your training is explosive for about eight minutes. So you'll set up little situations like, hey, there's 30 seconds left and you're down an advantage and you got to go from there. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. 30 seconds is very rare. Yeah, it's yeah. Very, very rare. You know, and it's when we do 30 seconds is very short, the training, because that's that takes a lot on you. You know, that takes a lot on you. Uh, usually it's a little longer. You know, I would say from 115 to two minutes. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it's important, though. Like you see a lot, like even 115 to two minutes, you see a lot in uh, IBJJF tournaments where someone will get down an advantage and be in close guard or something with a minute and a half left. And it's just like sort of over like that. You know, the, you got to really be able to figure something out at that point, right? Yeah, yeah, especially when your opponent, you know, because we do the opposite as well, you know, where your opponent picks the position and he's winning, you know. So you have like a minute and 30 seconds to figure out a way of beating that best guard of, you know, or that best top position of your partner, you know. You're somebody who is always known for being very technical. Did you drill a lot coming up or what do you think about drilling? Yeah, when I when I came up, I used to probably drill more than, than train, you know, but uh, as time goes and I started teaching, you know, I started really more like teaching than actually, uh, you know, than actually drilling on my own. Of course, I still drilled a little bit, but not, not enough, you know, not like back in the day. And then, um, you know, as I was getting better, you know, and I started being able to drill as I'm training. You know, so I always, you know, I always get, you know, some type of training where I can actually pick, um, pick partners and uh, pretty much drill on them, you know. So it's like a live rolling drill. But of course, it's not 
everyone that can do that. You know, it's not everyone that I can say, hey, go drill on that guy while you guys are training. But, you know, there are multiple people that I know that do the same thing. Yeah, I haven't reached that level yet. <laughs> you, got, you got your black belt super quick, right? Like, how, how fast did you get your black belt after you started training, Kyle? Um, it was like about three, three and a half years. Wow, some people are white belts for that long. Uh, what did you do that you that you accelerated so quickly that? Because uh, I mean, you you got the black belt, and started winning right away, so you're obviously at that level. What what do you think you did differently about your training that you moved up the ranks so fa- fast? Well, I kind of know what I did, <laughs> but. Um... I think, um, one, you know, I definitely trained a lot more than most, you know, of course, that's like a huge factor in, you know, in one year, I probably trained more than, you know, you guys trained in your entire jiu-jitsu career, you know, yeah, probably because I was, because I was training pretty much all day, like literally all day long, you know, I was waking up on my, on my mats, you know, cause I had mats in my house. And back in the day in Brazil, it was forbidden to like have like uh, to train at other gyms. You know, you would be a big crayon if you went and train at someone else's gym. So, uh, you know, everyone would come to my house because that's not a gym. That's my house. So, <laughs> you know, all these black belt world champions would come come up in my house, you know, train with their friends because, they, you know, it's like um, peaceful territory, you know. And then when they would come and train, you know, I would go and train too because, you know, they're Black Bro World Champions. I want to train them, you know. So um, I think that was one of the factors, you know, I would be awake, you know, like people would wake me up to come and train. And at 2 a.m. I would still train, you know. The only thing that I would stop is to eat. And usually I would eat on the mats and uh, to to go to college. You know, that's, that was those were the only things that, I, that, that stopped me from training. How many hours a day were you training then? You think? I would guess that I would be on the mats like around at least ten hours a day, like be on the mats, you know. But there was a lot of talk as well, a lot of talk, and people like showing techniques and you know what I mean. All day long, every single day. There was no like Saturday and Sunday, you know. The only reason why I knew Saturday and Sunday existed is because usually in the, in the weekends I would compete. That was the only re- only difference. But I would come out of the competition, come back to my house, and there was people drilling. And I'm like, oh, I thought this was my house, not yours, you know? <laughs> <laughs> who were some of the people that were training at your house back then? Obviously, probably your brother, but who else was around? No, there was a lot of people, honestly. There was a lot of people. And if I, if I started naming, I'm going to forget tons of people, you know? But there was many people. I remember there was like a few you know, Black Belt World Champions that came by. There, there was a lot of Black Belt World Champions that came by at my house. You know, it was it was really cool because of that. You know, there was a lot of people. And, um, but that was not the, the main thing. Like training, of course, you know, I think it's, you know, you have to train. You can't just, you know, be talented. It, it's not going to reach, you know, to that level. You have to to, to work hard. But I think one of the reasons why I got the black belt so fast wasn't just training, because there are a lot of there are a lot of world champions that train just as much. You know, I, I know the Miao brothers are always on the mat as well. You know, um, I think that one of the other reasons is I, I wasn't a very athletic person. You know, and in the beginning, it was um, it was tough because my 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 teachers weren't like a big um 
fan of like my physical abilities. So <clears throat> there was a point that, you know, I was annoying more in class than anything. And they, the teacher was pretty much saying like, hey, you should, you know, telling my mother that they, you know, they, she pro- probably pulled me out of class. Wow. You know, and at that point, she was like, oh, man, you don't want to come. You you just, you know, just messing around and they're not, you know, they're becoming irritated because there was no kids class. And I was um, maybe there was kids class. I don't remember, but I was already old, but I was too small for that class, you know, because I was about, you know, at, at most 100 pounds. You know, I wasn't even 100 pounds and I was already, you know, 17. So, you know, I was annoying more than anything. And then they were like, oh, she's like, maybe jiu-jitsu is not for you. You know, she told me. And I, w- I got really upset when she said that. I'm like, you know what? How is jiu-jitsu not for me? You know? And I would see my teacher, you know, beating guys like 100, 200 pounds bigger than him. And I'm thinking, if he can do it, why can I not do it? And then I started figuring it out, figuring it out. You know, like I started seeing like jiu-jitsu was just like school. People go to school and they study for the test the day before, two days before. After the test, they forget everything. I was bad in sports, but I was amazing in school. You know, I have always been a really good student. And the biggest difference, I think, was like on the last test, when once the second semester comes in, where people already forgot everything they studied. And I still remember because I didn't study the day before. I studied to learn, you know, and once you started learning something, you won't forget, you know, but they only study to memorize. And that's what happens in jiu-jitsu all the time. The teacher shows a technique, you memorize, and the next day you don't remember what the teacher showed you, you know. So I started trying to actually learn and understand why I did things. Why do I do things instead of how I do them? And that's what made me accelerate in a in in a speed way higher than actually the people that were training. Because I remember a lot of purple and brown belts that when I started, they were purple and brown belts. And when I got my black belt, they were purple and brown belts too. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so you think that you you sort of approached learning differently than people were doing in uh, jujitsu at the time? Is that what you're saying? Like some of your training partners? I think that I still do. Yeah. I, I, unfortunately, this is something that I tell my students all the time. Stop copying my movement because you're not going to be able to. Because mo- you're not going to copy something that I train too much. You know, I, I, the jiu-jitsu movement is completely different than the movement that you do on a regular basis. No one can come out of their couches or work and, you know, hipscape. That, you know, like he, everyone thinks that they know how to hipscape, but... It takes actually years for you to actually hipscape correctly. It's not something easy to do, you know? And uh, it's not something that you drill on a daily basis. It, it's your work, you know, maybe sitting down, maybe it's walking, but it has nothing related to guard passing or to playing guard. You're actually only on your back when you're sleeping. And when you're sleeping, you're on your subconscious. So you don't even remember what you did when you were on your back. You know, so it's a completely different movement. So first, the people have to learn how to move. And once they learn how to move, then they might even be able to copy. But without being able to move, you have to try and understand things. Why you do them. And then you can learn one little concept. 
And once you learn that little concept, you can apply to many, many, many techniques. Because one concept is more important than any technique. Because one concept you can do in thousands of techniques. But one technique, you can only probably do it that same way you learn. You know, so it's more important to learn concepts so you can change them accordingly to your opponent. Because everyone has a different reaction. Everyone has a different body type. Everyone has a different type of athleticism. Athleticism, speed, strength, you know, uh, flexibility. So you have to understand what you're doing to be able to change accordingly to what your opponent is giving you. Kyle, um, could you maybe share some of the, the, the concepts that you're talking about? You know, maybe just give an example of one. Uh, I think a lot of people are looking to add those to their game to, to maybe dial in their, their knowledge about certain concepts that could apply to every, multiple techniques. Every technique has, has multiple, every technique has multiple concepts. You know, so you show me one technique that we did, pull pull up a match. I'll show you one concept that you can use in multiple different. Okay, scenarios. I like that. I think we have a, we even have a match available. Maybe should, yeah. should, should we pull one up and see? It's uh... actually a, a no gi sub only match here. It's a little heel hook action from Kyle Terra in this one. Playing a little half okay, but... Okay, so you see, um, you see how I'm grabbing his knee. Yeah. So, it's, so if you can pause it or something, you know. Yeah. Uh, I was grab, but now I'm grabbing the opposite leg. I'm, go, I'm go back sure. a little yeah. bit. He was trying to remove his knee at some point, you know. Okay. So this is like a. Right here. You see you how grab his knee I'm right controlling there. his leg. Yeah. So he was trying to remove his left leg at some point, and I started grabbing his knee. To not let him grab, to not let him take his leg out, because the knee, the the knee will be the most important to stay in. You know, the knee is what gives him the rotation to pull out his foot eventually. You know, so whether I'm attacking a heel hook or I'm like in the one leg X, you know, or you know any kind of positions where I am actually securing his leg for him to not get out, then I'm gonna try to control that knee. You understand? That's a, that's a concept. That's what I call a concept. Got you it. know, when you're playing guard, you're trying to control your opponent. That's what you're trying to do. You're not trying to submit him. You're not trying to sweep him. You're trying to control your opponent so he gives you the opportunity to do those things. You know? Very nice. Let's keep this uh, clip moving. You see, I keep the leg always inside. He takes the knee out, he will be, he will be free. But now I believe I have both legs in, and that's why I'm not so concerned anymore. You see how I keep the other the other knee in. Right there, quick tap. Kyle, you seem to be pretty pretty uh, comfortable in the heel hook game, from what I'm seeing in this match. Where did you kind of develop? Uh... You know your your style of of playing that game was that something that you kind of developed with your students or was it someone specifically? I, I saw something about Rob Bernacki coming out to your academy at one point. Can you tell us a little bit about like how so, you kind of developed that game? When I came to America, I had very little knowledge about heel hooking. I, I already knew how to attack the legs, but not about how to control the legs and control the knee line and everything. You know. Um, the grips that I use for a heel hook would be completely different than today. I would, you know, 
say, tell myself, wow, that, that's just horrible. <laughs> but when I came to America, one of the things that really helped me, and you can see in all those matches, are, those are all quick matches. And those are all yeah. finals or super matches, you know? One of the reasons why is, why is because a lot of Brazilians, they stay there and they, you know, we're taught how to win. We're taught how to win. And when you come to America, it's a lot different because especially in the school that I came, you know, uh, uh, Gracie Fighter at the time, you know, I would train with them. I would score like 100 points. But it was 0-0. Zero, zero. It was 0-0. Zero, zero. The, 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 the guys would say that it was 0-0, zero, zero, that I didn't do anything. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you didn't score any points on me. I scored 1,000 points on you. How was this even a close match? And you're like, well, there was no submissions. You understand? So the mentality back then when I came was you either submit me and win or it was 0-0. Zero, zero. So at that time, I was like, okay, I have to submit. Then the, my weakness was exactly the, the heel game, you know, the, the control of the legs and attack the heel hooks. Because every time I would go for it, they would be able to get out. So that's when I started developing, you know, and trying to understand it better. And then it's like anything, like, for example, the Izaki Paiva move, you know. Uh, I, I, it didn't take me one day, hey, I'm just going to do it like that, you know. The first day, if you saw me doing what I was trying to do, you know, like copying Izaki, it, it wouldn't work, you know. I had to figure it out. I just had the idea, okay, he did this, you know. So how can I do that, you know, just as good? And maybe today, if you com if you compare, maybe I do even better than Izaki. I don't know, you know. Maybe he still does better than me. But because I use the idea and try to build up from that idea, you know, then I have a chance to actually exceed on his technique. And that's why I like to teach that way because I don't want my students to be as good as me. I want them to be better than me. Why would I want them to, you know, to be just as good? You're not a teacher. Then I'm failing them. How often do you guys train with heel hooks, like for your no-gi classes? Uh, I love heel hooks. So, you know, it's always my opponent's choice. Even with the gi, I always ask, do you want to do heel hooks? And there are some guys that are open to it, you know. I do believe I have, you know, a feeling that, you know, uh, eventually, you know, heel hooks will be allowed. And I hope, I hope for that. You know, because it's taking a huge part out of jiu-jitsu out, you know. So I do believe that soon we're going to be able to see, like, crossing the legs. You know, and I, you know, uh, believe that one day we'll be able to have heel hooks as well. You know, even in the gi. I would prefer to be just no gi, you know, to keep two sports separate. But, um, you know, uh, if, it's, if, if, it only can, if it can only be both ways, if it cannot be just one and one. Then it's better to have hooks on the gear as well, you know. Uh, um, a lot of people remember of my interviews back in the day when I had, uh, you know, the steroids interview to for IBJJF. You know, I was already yeah. talking. To, <laughs> I was already talking to IBJJF about the steroids issue uh, for a couple of years already, you know, and asking them to to do it. And since they were not moving forward with it, then that's when I started speaking out about, you know, and then. You know, a few months later, they was they were able to implement it. You know, what people don't realize is that I also did tons of interviews and uh, you know, be before, after tournaments, and during tournaments about heel hooks having to be on tournaments. 
because we're what is going to happen is we're going to end up falling behind all the other martial arts that can include heel hooks you know and we you know we are jiu-jitsu practitioners we need to be on top of the game we can't have like you know so so someone goes on the ufc and uh, submit someone uh with a heel hook right maybe he's a jiu-jitsu black belt but how can you call this a jiu-jitsu technique if the heel hook is forbidden i don't understand yeah, BM Mesquita had an interesting point. She said the same thing as you the other day. Uh, she was saying that it'd be a good way to uh, get people to stop stalling in fifty-fifty as well, if you allow heel hooks. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. That that's not true. I mean, of course, it, it will be a lot easier to 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 avoid them from stalling. But the fifty-fifty stalling thing, it's it's not true. You know, people say, "Oh man, he just plays fifty-fifty and stall." I honestly believe. That if someone puts me in 50-50, I will be able to get out. You know? The problem is when one person knows more than the other, then they can use it to stalling. You know, it's the same thing as Hudson. Let Hudson close the guard on you. Let's see if you can open. Do you understand? Because, <laughs> well, yeah, you don't want to you don't want to put Hudson in 50-50. You don't want to put Hudson in the 50-50 either. Exactly. No. But what I'm saying is one like the worst one, place then. Yeah. When one person is better than the other, they can stall from any spot. Let, I want to see anyone passing Michael Lang's spider guard. Do you know what I mean? It's hard. You know, Leandro Lowe, I think, was the only person to to get close to it. Yeah, I think he made you him know, turtle. Because, I remember making him turtle, but I don't think he yeah, even passed Yeah, exactly. It. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's why I said close to it, you know, because yeah, yeah, I think he was sure. the only person. He scored advantage multiple times passing. But but the only time that I saw Michael Lang turtling from Spider was was with Leandro, you know, Leandro Toriano. But um, my point is that, you know, when you are better than the other person at a certain spot, you can stall. People don't call, you know, well, what should we do when two people are stalling from standing? Because that's what happens the most, you know. One person is trying to shoot, the other one is just avoiding the takedowns. And the match ends after 10 minutes with both not doing anything because one is just... Stopping the other from shooting. Yeah, like when they when they lock up and put their foreheads next to each other, that's a, a, a yeah. classic stalling. Or grabbing position both collars, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that'd be exciting. I'd like to see more uh, tournaments with heel hooks. Uh, Kyle, um, well, I know the the future is is unpredictable, but since we're talking competition and things like that, uh, do you have any future plans to return? I know there's no there's no real knowing of when tournaments might even come back, but. Uh, is that on your radar for something you'd like to do in the future? Like super fights or anything? I, I guess like super fights, I would be willing to. You know, maybe I would I, I would go on fight to win. You know, or um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be close for a super fight. But at the time, at the moment, right now, I'm way too busy. You know, you know, Corona is going on, so you know, unfortunately, I'm trying to uh, adjust some other projects. You know, uh, but. Um, you know, I, I I hope the gyms will be able to open soon, and you know, uh, I still you know love my students more than you know actually competing. So I, I have developed this um, this desire to teach, you know, more than actually the desire to be a champion. Because the desire to be a champion, you have to be willing to sacrifice everything. And I'm not sure if I'm willing to sacrifice it anymore. You know, I have sacrificed it for so for so many years. You know, um, a lot of people want to be a ch- want to be champions, but it's 
it's not as it's, it's not that easy you know it's not that easy it's it's the willing for you to to take a a hold on the whole world you know you know your family you know um, your injuries every you know and you the only thing that you can focus is on training you know you have a doctor appointment it cannot be in the same time of training you have to be there because if you're a professional athlete then you have to behave as a professional you have to show up every day just as you would show up to work you know so i'm not sure if i'm willing to do that anymore you know i did it for over 10 years you know i've been a black belt for 14 years now and uh i missed a lot on life that's the truth i missed a lot on life and i don't wish that for for many you know when the mendes brothers retire at such an age early at such a uh, early age a lot of people were like wow they're you know they're running they're you know they but the truth is they want to enjoy life too they probably sacrificed since they're like you know 15 years old you know come on it's been 10 years of sacrifices they deserve that you know they deserve that do you think um it's gotten even tougher over the years as jiu-jitsu has grown as the sport itself has more for support sure. for the athletes it, it, of course jiu-jitsu has evolved a lot jiu-jitsu has evolved a lot but uh the people who were sacrificing from before of course have have still have an advantage because they have a lot more years of you know a lot more years training and experience competing at the highest level you know you can see that the top competitors they always stays at co- top competitors they don't they don't change the top competitors always stays there what the only reason when one top competitor starts falling out isn't because he's behind competition but because he probably stopped competing for a while you know and that's why i find it tough for me to come back at that same level because i did stop competing for some time you know and i'm not trying to lie to myself you know, I'm going to have to work twice as hard to catch up on all the time that I've missed training, you know. All right. Well, speaking about you as an instructor, it leads us perfectly into our next clip because we uh, we pulled one of your students' matches. This uh, Actually, this is the this, this is the fight to win. Hudson versus Gunenberg. It was nominated as one of the submissions of the year. So talk about this one a little bit, Kyle. To be honest, the, during that match, you know, the – the game plan was for Hudson to, you know, to attack submissions and try to submit Gutenberg from the beginning, you know. But Hudson sometimes don't go according to the game plan. So I was like, oh, my God, you know, it might take a while. And then when I see Gutenberg attacking Hudson first, I was like, oh, my God, I told him he should have gone from the beginning. Because you can see that Gutenberg attacks the, the ankle lock. And at that time, this is a technique that Hudson really likes to do which is, you know, from the one-legged X, you know, attacking the arm. But the funny thing is that the footlock was tight. And usually the person isn't attacking the footlock when Hudson is uh, is going for the arm. Usually the person is just holding the person on top on, uh, on the one-legged X, you know. And Gutenberg actually made Hudson fall. Can we uh, replay so that I clip there? I didn't expect him to actually have gotten the submission because he was able to free his foot. Yeah, I didn't even notice the first time I watched this that uh, that footlock did look pretty good. I mean, yeah. but it slipped out right there, and that's well, when Hudson. It, it looked like Hudson's setting it up when he's standing up, though, right? He takes the the double sleeve grip from the top, and he's no, already the, thinking about it, right? For sure, he's he's setting it up then. But the the whole goal, and this is a very, you know, if you can pause when I when I say, it's gonna be okay. very soon. 
right now, right now. So you see, Hudson grabbed both sleeves, right? Yeah. And uh, Gutenberg right now, he doesn't have the ankle lock. He only has um, Hudson's uh, pants. Yes. You see? What Hudson is doing, grabbing the bo both sleeves, is not just to uh, attack the, the arm, but mainly in the beginning to not get swept. You understand? So he's trying to not get swept. And then he's controlling uh, Gutenberg's arms with both arms. That's a problem that, you know, Hudson usually doesn't do that. He usually only controls the arm with one arm, and then he can set it up, no problem, the arm lock. But Gutenberg is super freaking strong, so Hudson has to hold with both hands to have the control of that arm. And the whole goal for that, to hold the arm in the, in the beginning, is so Gutenberg doesn't sweep Hudson. But now, since Hudson grabbed with both sleeves, he got out of balance because he doesn't have a hand to post. And so if you can play... The clip, now you will see that the left leg of Gutenberg was going to go to the hips and push Hudson up. So you see how he had to let go the sleeve. So once he posts the hand on the mat, no, look, now Hudson goes back to both sleeves and then he's able to set it up, the arm lock again. You see, but, that, that, but it's because Gutenberg stopped. Gutenberg thought the foot was tight and that gave Hudson some time to adjust back again and, and set it up, you know, set, set it up over we can uh, see he first went on the cut in, on, on the pants and then since Hudson was doing it then Gutenberg went for the foot and it was tight I can see that it was tight you know but then Hudson was able to get both both um, both sleeves and he did the, act, the the exact opposite of what I was saying on the concept on the other video of keeping the knee in which is he took his knee out had Hudson kept the knee in, he wouldn't be able to arm lock. But look how he took it out. Now he took it out, he was able to arm lock Gutenberg. Man, what is it with Hudson? Uh, obviously, a, a different move, but his 50-50 arm lock. What makes his 50-50 arm lock so special? Because he hits that thing, it seems like, every single tournament. You know, so, uh, Hudson is... Uh, no, the, the arm lock is from 50-50 is a great technique. Yeah. It, it, it's truly a great technique, but... Um, there are some things that only Hudson can do, you know, and, I'm, and that's not the arm lock. That's not the arm lock. But there are some things that only he can do because um, the way his body was built, you know, he has some type of power and flexibility on his hips that is, it, it, it amazed me every time, you know. I have never seen someone with that type of power on the hips. No, you're right. I've, like I've rolled with him. I've rolled with him in Niteroi. And, uh, yeah, oh, that, his, hips, his hips are insanely strong. Like, I can't, that, can't even move him in some situations. That's not something fun. Yeah. I feel bad for you, Michael. Yeah. I feel bad for you. <laughs> so go back again to how, what he, what, how he capitalizes on this uh, hip power that you're talking about. No, I, no that, that's the thing. I don't think on the 50-50 that's the case. Yeah. You know, I don't think the 50-50 is just something that he does really well. He drilled so much. And he drilled not just drilling. Like I said, he drilled with people. You know, he, he drilled as his train. And then he became good at the technique, you know. But the 50-50, uh, the, the thing is, when he pulls the arm, the person is also scared of pulling the elbow tight to the, to the hips, to the ribs, sorry, the, to the ribs, and uh, defending the arm because that will also set it up, the back attack, which usually is not something that Hudson will do in competition, but it's something that he will do in training all the time. Because the person usually in training will be forced to do it. And in competition, you know, usually the person thinks that they can stop the arm some other way. 
And that's not the case. You know, that's not the case because Hudson is really amazing at attacking arm locks. You know, he's he's really a master of the arm locks. When he sets up an arm lock, it's very, very hard to defend. You know, like um, uh, Jacare was able to get out of Roger's arm. You know, of course, was uh, he, he, he definitely hurt himself there. Um, but I don't even know if Jacare would be able to do that to Hudson because I think he, he, his arm would be truly pulled out. And Roger is one of the best ever of, you know, of, no, not not best ever. He is the best ever. But I'm saying he is one of the best ever in the arm lock position. And I think Hudson has just mastered the arm lock so well, you know, that the arm lock finish is something that um, is truly special. He's truly gifted in that aspect. So people think that they will t- be able to escape out of the arm lock because it's not so tight. But when Hudson has the arm, it doesn't matter how tight it is. He'll 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 find a way to get it. You know what I mean? I like I like to I like to kind of refer to his arm lock as like a like a knockout punch. You know what I mean? Like it's something that at any time, if uh, his opponent leaves an opening, he can take it from many different positions. So I mean, that being said, sometimes he he gets so you know overzealous trying to do the you know the armbar from different positions that. Maybe it ends up being a detriment where he ends up, you know, losing yes. an advantage or something like that. Yes. So, what kind of things yes. are you doing to kind of work on his overall game uh, to improve? Because That's... we all know, we all know the potential of Hudson. We see it. Mm-hmm. We see that he's a finisher, and it's it's so nice to see a finisher in this sport again. You know, someone go out there aggressively tap everyone, uh, but obviously uh, you can't do that Michael, all the time. You know, so, Michael, ahead, Michael, you have you you have trained with a lot of people, right? right? Yeah, like a lot of black belt world champions, right? Oh, a few of them, but uh, not as many really? as you. But, but why? But Chase, why? You, Chase, you gotta you gotta put him in your in your. I know, man. In your Fix program my game. more often. All right. Well, what, what, what was your question? <laughs> no, because uh, I have been to many gyms, to many gyms, and you know, they uh, every gym that Hudson has gone, usually he's the the athlete that people are most impressed with. You know, and they have always had all these world champions. But training with Hudson is something, it's something different. It's it's a it's a type of uh, of of training that people are not expecting. He's a, he's a truly a finisher, you know. And uh, people don't expect that power of finish. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember how your training was with Hudson, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't very healthy. You know? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying very good. I'm saying it wasn't healthy. Yeah. <laughs> because he is like attacking nonstop, like you know, breaking every part of your body, you know. Bro, I, <laughs> and, I remember uh, I, I went to the uh, competition training at Alessandro's in Niteroy with my wife. I was like way out of mm-hmm. shape, and she made me go with her because that's where she trains. And Hudson was there. And I think to start off, I had to do either two or three ten-minute rounds in a row. It was like twenty or thirty minutes in a row with Hudson to start. The, and I was like out of shape. It was, yeah, it was like the worst day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, one one day I uh, went with him to uh, tattoo school to Soul Fighters Tezuka and watched him go to their competition training and he was rolling with really good people and it was like tap by scream left and right it was just like wrist lock arm lock all over the place it was just you hear people yell it was uh, yeah, yeah yeah he's so fast it, you know the person can only yell they cannot tap there's no time for tapping but my point is that if you know Hudson is one of the guys that He's really good competing, but his uh, training is like 
a hundred times, you know, a thousand times better than he's competing. Because he, he, when he's competing, he puts everything into a few techniques that he's really good at because he feels comfortable with it. But if he actually just let it go, then he would be like one of the greatest, greatest of all time. You can see there a lot of matches like in the beginning, like for example, Braguinha. He fought Braguinha at Pants, right? And he was like pretty much killing Braguinha, taking Braguinha for nothing, for absolutely nothing. If you have the match there, Braguinha and Hood, so in the beginning of the match, can you pull it out? But then, I don't know. Uh, we can pull it up right now, but I know the match you're talking about. I, I was actually shooting it, and I remember he was all over him. In fact, I, uh, you know, when you shoot tournaments, are crazy, so you try to get a few shots of everything happening. And I walked away. I had him on his back. I'm like, oh yeah, I got the shot, moving on. And then I look over. I'm like, wait, what? What just happened? How did Braguinha get out of that and win the exactly. match? Exactly. And once and once Braguinha got out, it was all Braguinha. Not all Braguinha, but it was it was a, a very tough match after that. And you would never expect from what he was doing, you would, you would be like, man, this is an easy match. But then Braguinha, he was the one that came up ahead eventually because, uh, you know, when Hudson gets uncomfortable, it's something that is hard. And that's what I'm trying to change on him. You know, I'm trying to change that he's always losing. He's always losing. Because he, when he's comfortable, he tries anything. And when he tries, he's freaking amazing. When, when he stopped trying and thinking maybe this won't get the person, then he freezes, you know? And when he freezes and only tries the same techniques, it's much easier for his opponents to counter him or to actually stop him from doing it, and which, which happens all the time. You know, the, the, the matches that he's been losing at Worlds and, you know, it, it's, it's always that, uh, you know, it's always that match at Worlds that he loses by referee decision or one advantage where they double yeah. pull and the guy comes up, you know? And stay the whole time he, in the same he, position. He's certainly never been like I haven't seen him been submitted or arm locked. You know what I mean? And so it's not something that it's like you live by the sword, die by the sword. His aggressive style never comes back to haunt him. It's always some little minor mistake, you know. But uh, man, he's he's definitely one of the the best ones. Um, Kyle, I wanted to ask you something. Like the way you teach jiu-jitsu and like the way you you know talk about the concepts of teaching. Um, you, you definitely have a different take uh, and approach on it in my eyes from what I see externally. Like, obviously I'm not, you know, part of your team or inside your academy, but from what I see and how you articulate jujitsu, it's very different. And I put it like, uh, amongst some of the elites, like looking at like Guy and Hoffa, how they teach, like very conceptually, very deep dives into techniques and positions. Where did that come from? Was that something that it was, you know, you learned that was kind of, um, like did your instructors like teach you? how to learn or teach you to ask why. Cause I know like, give you an example, like when Atos was created, I remember they used to say like, you know, a bunch of the guys would sit together and like ask each other is like, okay, well, you know, what do you do in this position? So they would all share and say, why do you do this? So was that something that was kind of, you know, that was passed on to you or is this all Kyotera? I wish this was passed on because if it was passed on, I would be able to acceler accelerate even at a faster speed. There was a lot of things that I did wrong back in the day, which was training too much. You know, I shouldn't have trained yeah. as much as I trained because now I have a lot of injuries that I wouldn't have, you know. But um, it wasn't because my 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 school, you know, my teacher is, is amazing. You know, Paulo Maurice Strouch, I love him. You know, he's, you know, he's like... If I could start over, you know, he's he's the best, you know, because he's not just like a jiu-jitsu teacher, but he's, 
he's mainly like a life teacher you know he he taught me so much and i am the person that i am today because of him you know and i and i owe him so much because of that but in jiu-jitsu in the jiu-jitsu aspect my gym was more like a self-defense academy it was not a jiu-jitsu academy you know i was pretty much the only competitor at the time there was some other competitors but you know the training wasn't made for competition you know and um i think because i had to figure things out like you know since i wanted to compete he never said hey compete he was actually probably cheering for me to not compete you know because he thought he thought that i would always be a teacher he always told me since i was a blue belt he, you were not made to compete your brother was made to compete you're made to be a teacher you know which is super funny because um my brother never gave the same uh attitude towards training as i did you know he always trained a lot less but my brother is much more gifted than i am in regards of being a competitor because he can learn things a lot a lot like he can copy any movement my brother is way more flexible than i am you know i seem to be a very flexible but i'm actually not you know um but um uh, ended up that all the time that i put in made it up for the talent that my brother had over me and um uh what i'm trying to say is I was a self defense school so it wasn't like my jiu jitsu was made for competition you know we're learning how to defend out of you know uh, out of like someone attacking you with bats you know it's I wasn't learning how to get out of 50-50 you know so <laughs> that kind of forced me to have to try to figure it out on um on how to learn things uh properly because a lot of the the, the students were there for a different reason you know and that's one of the reasons why i had to have mats in my house to train with my friends because my friends from other schools they were uh a lot more competitive than actually at my you know my my own school you know mm -hmm. hey Kyle i had a uh, there's a question from a a fan in here that wanted to know how you deal how you uh what advice you would have for dealing with nerves with getting nervous for competition like mentally to get prepared on the day of a competition what would you say This is something that I've been saying, you know, for a long time. A lot of people have been getting this quote and saying on their own words, but you know, um what I believe is this. I don't believe there is maybe actually Jacaré. Maybe Ronaldo Jacaré uh at the time that he was fighting, but I don't believe a lot of people um can simply not be nervous. I think we humans will all be nervous. You know, there's no way to to not be nervous when you're competing. You know, I don't know what it is, but but you get certainly very nervous. But it's the same thing as, you know, if you're going to uh go uh, uh skydive. Skydive when you jump through the plane? Yeah? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. But if you go to skydive, you know, you have two options. You know, actually you have four. Because what you know, become, <laughs> you, know, it, 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 you might not jump. You know, you might not jump. Okay. But if you do where jump, this, where did this Kyle Terra math come from? <laughs> All right. So one option is not to jump. What are the other three options? No, 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 no. Take out the jump, the not jump part. Otherwise, we're gonna create two more options, right? So let's just oh say God. that you're going to jump. You're With going multiple. to jump. You have two options when you when you jump. One is you're gonna be so afraid. That you're gonna close your eyes. 
The second option is you're going to be afraid still. But you're just going to embrace that. You're going to embrace it. You're going to be afraid. And then you're going to take a deep breath and you're going to see the how amazing it is outside. And then when you realize that it's so amazing, you might not be as nervous because it will be so beautiful. But if you close your eyes and not embrace it, then nothing will make sense. You know? I like that. That's so, nice. So it's the same thing as competing. You you you, can, you, you have two options. You go there, you're going to be nervous. So you embrace it and you can feel alive by competing because those emotions is not something that you're going to feel in a daily, you know, in, a, in your daily life. You're not going to feel alive, that alive as when you're training ever because when you're competing, it's like everything. You, you feel that little buzz all the way back, all the way up there. You know, you feel that little zzz, anything you, you hear, anything you see, it's like you're an animal, you know? So you you feel so much more alive when you're out there than when you're not. But if you try and block that feeling out, you're not going to feel any of that. And that's actually when you lose. Because if you actually, okay, I'm nervous, I don't care. This feeling is amazing. Amazing. I just want to be more nervous. You're going to perform so amazing. You know, you're going to perform so good. And that's why I look so relaxed out there. Am I nervous? Of course I am. I am so nervous. So nervous. But I'm enjoying it. You know, I'm enjoying that. And and that's making, you know, be me be more comfortable. Kyle, we have time for just one more question here uh, before we got to get out of the studio. Sorry, Ricardo. I got to get this one out there because it's come up a few times, and I, I know people want to know about it. And it actually goes back to what you were saying a minute ago, uh, Ricardo. But, Kyle, since you think about jiu-jitsu very differently, uh, it's a very uh, intellectual pursuit for you, what can people do on their own at home right now to help their improve their game? You know, What should they be studying? What could they be doing just – uh, with very minimal equipment or resources because many people are just stuck at home, but they still want to get better. So anything that you could think of maybe that, to help out those guys? Uh, for sure. You know, this is actually an amazing time for them um, because, you know, when you go train, when you go train, it, it doesn't matter how much you want to learn. You always want to have the fun, which is which is rolling, right? But when you try to learn, it's really hard, like, like I said, because you have proper movement because it, it takes a long time for you to develop good movement to be able to actually copy something or to be able to utilize some ideas. So what you're going to have, what, what I do suggest people. Oh no. Did we lose Kyle right now? Oh, that's a cliffhanger of the century. <laughs> Man. <laughs> oh no. Uh, maybe he'll pop back up. We'll, 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 give, him we'll give him a minute because I was dying. <laughs> I'm right there on the edge of my seat, wondering how I could get better. I have nobody. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to find out if which what did he oh, do? Oh, he's back. He's back. Kyle, there back. All right, let's finish that up. Kyle, sorry, we lost you for a second there. Um, and now I now now I'm not able to hear you. Maybe the guys in the back um, can adjust that somehow. Kyle, talk. Can you hear me? Yeah, yep, we yep. got you. All, All right. right, let's get right back where we were at. 
So I think you were just getting into it. You were just going to share what they could do. I was on the edge of my seat. I actually seat. said everything. Just in your living them. room yelling at your phone. <laughs> <laughs> could have just changed the universe. Right. No, one, no one got it. All right. Let's, 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 try, let's, try and, uh, let's try and do it again. Chase, the question. We still got a couple more minutes here, Kyle. So, um, we got eight minutes. Anything you could, you could share for, for guys at home to, to improve their game? Yeah, so what I was trying to say is um, this is an amazing opportunity for people to actually um, get the movements down, and that will make them a lot. It will make it. It will make jujitsu a lot easier for them to be able to to learn. You know, because if you if you're able to to move well, you you might be able to get some things that you don't understand out just by copying with movement and then eventually be able to understand because it's hard to understand everything from the beginning, you know? So this is an amazing opportunity for people to focus on their movement and their movement is not stretching or, you know, lifting weights because those things, you know, might help, but you can get the strongest person and you will not be able to copy anything. You, you'll be able to get the, the best yoga teacher and she won't be able to do anything. The only people that can actually copy some jujitsu is gymnasts because they understand their body so well. So I think that what you should try and do is, and, and I always tell my students, is to focus on the warm up. You focus on the warm up, you will learn how to move according to jujitsu. You know, um, so uh, I actually have launched um, my website, kayoterra.com, for free for a couple of weeks while this. This thing is all going on, and I have launched lots of solo drills that people can actually um, can learn and can do at home. And I I, be, I do believe that if they do those solo drills, you know, they will be able, you know, if, and perfect them, uh, they will be able to uh, learn jiu-jitsu a lot faster, a lot easier. So, you know, whether they sign up or not, you know, uh, there are a lot of solo drills over the internet as long as they poop pull up some good solo drills they will be able to uh, to perform better once the gym opens again you know awesome ricardo you got some good <laughs> solo drills i got uh plenty i plenty but i got two questions real quick for kyle before we lose them <laughs> number one did you skydive and number two which of the four options did you do <laughs> so i did not skydive I jumped okay. out of uh, a cliff, which is kind of the same thing, you know? Yeah, fair enough. So I closed my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had a teacher who told me, do it again and open them. So I opened right. my eyes and it was a completely different experience. And that's why I use that. Uh, that's why I use that example, you know? Because yeah. I, I had done it again. And I'm not saying that people will, will open their eyes immediately when they're going to compete. That's impossible, too. I think everyone's going to be so nervous and try to block that. You know, but I think that eventually, you know, they'll be able to open their eyes and actually feel everything. But it's not going to come out in the first time. It's going to take a couple, you know, a couple of few, a few tries to eventually be able to do, do it right in my belief because that might be different from other people you know everyone has a different training set i'm not saying yeah. that my training set is the is the best one i'm saying that that has been working for me and for other athletes that i train but it doesn't don't, mean that it's the best 
Don't go out there and start jumping off cliffs just because you want to be like Kyle Terry. You heard, you heard the man <laughs> no, I, the I teacher. No, I had an instructor. I jump out of cliffs on the water. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, thank you so much for joining us today. Guys at home, uh, guys and gals out there, I definitely recommend you check out KyleTerry.com. Look at those drills. Work on your game and the best way you can. Thanks, Chase. Yeah. And fix my game too, huh? <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, try and fix my Ricardo, game any way I can. Ricardo, hands over there? Ricardo's holding something up. In honor of Kyle Terra and his passion and love for uh, sweets, I have oh. some Cadbury mini eggs. Just for you. Nice, nice. Canadian candy, yeah. It's, it's really uh, good. Who's number one it, returns tomorrow afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern. We'll have Lucas Lepre. Is that correct? Yeah, Lucas Lepre and Bears calling back in with uh, Lepre at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. Ooh, Should be a good one. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, be sure to tune in for the rest of the content coming on the 24-hour channel. We'll always have something to watch on that. Uh, Kyle, thank you. I hope to talk to you again soon. Hopefully, when this all blows uh, over, and thank we'll see you, you guys. If if I can just say one more, one last thing. You Go know, for it, Kyle. Uh, I know this is a, a a hard time. You know, not just for 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 us gym, you know, um, gym owners, but for you guys too. You know, you guys probably have to stay at home, and um, I know that I'm gonna be fine. You know, but I know that I'll, I know a lot of people. I know a lot of gyms there are not doing good right now. You know, a lot of businesses are closed. And um, uh, these are not like just like businesses, you know, some of these guys, you know, you know, these are not like their business. It doesn't just support their family, but it supports their dream, you know, and and I can see that a lot of them are going to close right now. And this is like the worst part of it. It's not about losing your business because you can just start over. It's about losing your dream, and, and, and that's not okay, you know? So um, I, I know that a lot of people are, are going through a hard time, for a tough time, but if you can still support your academy, you know, it, it's it's truly you're supporting your dream, you know? I just wanted to leave that out there. I know a lot of people already talk about this, you know, but I, I do see the struggles of, some of my of my you know my good friends because I know a lot of gym owners you know and I just don't want to see you know this this whole thing becoming a lot worse than it is. Uh, great message there. I definitely implore you all at home if you can afford it, if it's something that you're managed able to do, please support your academy. I know I'm doing it, and hopefully we'll see this thing through shortly. So guys, thank you again for your time and knowledge. I really appreciate sharing this with you. And we'll see you all tomorrow on another episode of Who's Number One at 5 p.m. Eastern. Thanks, guys. See Thanks you for next coming show. in, Ricardo. Thank you.